Man, it is good to be here. It is good to be in this series with you uh, that we're calling We Are at War, talking about the armor of God and, and, um, and being ready to stand, uh, stand firm against the schemes of the enemy. Um, we've, spent, uh, we've looked at two pieces of armor. We're looking at the third piece of armor this morning, and it has to do with shoes. And so let's read this passage real quick. Um, and, and, and land ourselves here and center ourselves on the word and then we're going to spend a little bit talking about it. Ephesians 6.13, we're backing up a little bit, coming into 6.15. Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be ready, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. As I was studying this and reading about it, it really just occurred to me that something that's very basic and very simple, um, but the importance of your feet when you want to go somewhere. You don't really think about it or consider it every day. You kind of take them for granted, the poor guys. Like you just, most of us get up and assume they're going to work, and we get up and we go. And um, and, and as as one historian wrote about this, this these sandals that really Paul was referring to as part of the uh, uh, of the the armor that a Roman soldier would wear. He said it like this: that these shoes were thickly studded with sharp nails, as to ensure a good grip. The military successes both of Alexander the Great and of Julius Caesar were due in large measure to their armies being well shod and thus able to undertake long marches at incredible speed over rough terrain. That literally there were some mighty wars that were won simply because of the shoes that one side had as opposed to the shoes that they had because when they were going to war they had difficult terrain. And maybe this can speak into our spiritual warfare that goes on inside of us and around us. The importance of our shoes, of our feet, spiritually, of the readiness to be able to go over some rough terrain. Some difficult things that Satan is going to throw at us. It's going to be slippery. It could be muddy. And the reality here, we're reminded that the devil wants to knock you off your feet. He wants you down. This whole idea of being ready is about going forward. It's about looking ahead and being willing and able and ready uh, to go. As, as just a, an aside note before we get into this, these first three pieces of armor are, uh, are kind of reflected in the way that, that Paul writes this. The belt, the breastplate, and these shoes, the sandals. He almost speaks of them like having them on. So he, he's speaking to believers, and he's saying, hey, when you became a believer in Jesus Christ, when you put your life in him, you got these three things. You have them. Anybody ever get a gift card for Christmas or a birthday? Anybody got a, you got gift cards? Anybody ever forgot about it? Until like six months later, you're like going through your wallet, and you're like, Yes! Texas Roadhouse this weekend. And so, so the, the armor of God, these three first three pieces are kind of like that. You see, the gift card does no good in your wallet, but you have it. 
had it for six months. Some evenings you went hungry and ate McDonald's. The dollar menu when you didn't have to. See, you do that in your life. You have truth anchored and you have real connection with the Creator. You have put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You have no more condemnation in your life. You're not at odds with God in any way. You are in complete unity with Him. And He has given you this gospel of peace, this unity, calm state of mind and heart that should prepare you to be ready to go. He's like, you've got those three things. you just got to search through your wallet and remember you've got it. You have these three things, these pieces of armor you have on. Just don't forget it. Remind yourself daily of what's real, of where your righteousness comes from and where your hope comes from in this gospel. So he, he says here, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, I want to just think about that gospel of peace for a minute before we get into readiness, which is really what I want to talk about. The gospel of peace. Gospel means good news. It's the good news. So when you, you hear people say, you ever heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ? That means the good news of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you the story of Jesus. Let me tell you the good news. That word peace, if you go back to the Greek, in its most, most, most bare sense, means oneness. Man, can you, can you hold on just for a minute here? And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the good news of your oneness with God. Does that change that sentence a little bit? You see, because if you're in this constant state of, because this peace really, the, the other words that, that can go along with it, it, it might mean, it mean quietness, rest, peace of mind. Not the opposite, which is stress and turmoil. So you ask yourself, seven nights a week I lay down and I go to sleep. Am I going to sleep in a, in a state of peace or a state of anxiety and stress and conflict? See, this is where the enemy wants to get you. You don't have to be there. Jesus said, cast all your worries on me. Don't worry about tomorrow. And yet the devil wants to get us in a state of anxiety and stress and fear. And in that place, you're not really ready to go. And the enemy knows it. Don't, doesn't it feel different if you know I'm going to war if you are resting in the truth of your oneness with the Creator? It's like, man, I'm all in. I'm one with Him. I know He went to, he went to hell and he, he, he conquered death and He's going to win this victory in the end. I know what in the world do I have to be afraid of to step out and go with Him. I am at one, at peace with the, the victor. I'm on the winning side. He says that is the readiness that comes, the readiness to go. And so, so where do we go? Matthew 28, 19. Jesus kind of gave us this direction. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, go. So our readiness really matters the title of the message today is be ready to go it speaks to this idea of readiness uh, of flexibility it also reminds me that 
if you're going to go with, follow, and for Jesus, it requires leaving. It requires leaving something. In order to go, you've got to be willing to leave. All right, the, 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 the going will sometimes create doubt and anxiety and unknown and, and follow them into maybe a specific call in your life or maybe in a moment of just God speaking to you in a situation and saying you need to do this or that. Uh, you need to you love this person, give them forgiveness uh, when you don't feel like it. He could be speaking in all those situations. And, and really, that, that's not the difficult part. The difficult part is leaving the things we've built up security around. The security around maybe, maybe our job or, or, or our wealth or our home or our family or a relationship. And, and, he, and, and in order to go, you've got to be willing to leave. I talked about that once in another sermon, and we talked about things like comfort. You know, we talked about the, the apostles, the, the disciples that first went to Antioch and began to preach. They went because they, their lives were at risk. They just had to go. Like they, they left their homes, they left everything they knew. Uh, we talked about the traditions. And Jesus does not love tradition for the sake of tradition. And so sometimes he, we got to be willing to leave to follow him into the outside where he is with those on the fringes of society. And we got to give up what makes us feel comfortable, the way we dress, the way we talk, the way we experience Hobby Lobby life in our homes and our churches. He said, I want you to get messy. I want you to leave all that and forget all that behind. You're finding security in that, and I need you to go with me. But here's really the thing he told me I felt in my spirit today, the thing you've got to be willing to leave, and it's your timeline or agenda. Your timeline or agenda. And I'm the world's worst at this. I can make up big plans for my life and goals, and I've done it over years from career to, to, to personal things, to education, to, to whatever. Like, I'll do that. When I, when I was at SOAR, I would always say, God, I'll leave when you want me to, but, you don't, but he doesn't want me to right now. <laughs> That's usually what I followed it up with. And I don't know if I really meant it, honestly, because I think when I got serious about it and I meant it, I left. <laughs> and, I, and it was a heart change. It was a real, like right now in this moment, my, God, you changed my heart. It's time to go. And, and it's kind of like Paul when he said, man, I used, uh, uh, he, he said, I used to have all the things of the world and the Sanhedrin. I was the, the, the best of this and the best of that. He said, and there was a day it all became garbage to me. He said, and my interest in the world died. And then he said, and the world's interest in me died. And he went in and he left everything that he felt was important and gave him security in life, laid it all down, surrendered it at the feet of Jesus. I mean, that's really how you enter into a relationship in the first place with Jesus. You surrender your entire life and everything you are and you lay it down at his feet. Accept him as not only Savior, as we've been talking with some of the elders, but also Lord of your life to give him complete control. So I thought about this. What are, what are we going to go do? Where are you going to go? You're going to be ready to go. And, um, and, and two things that came to my mind, and this is really simple if you take notes. 
you're a follower of Jesus. This is who he's talking to. He's talking to Christians. You want to fight the enemy. You need to be ready to go and to, to go do two things is what's on my heart. One is be the good news. All right? Be the good news to someone, somewhere, some way. That can be in all kinds of different facets. You, you all know the passage in, in Matthew 22 when, when someone asked Jesus, well, what is the greatest commandment, Jesus? What's the most important thing? And he said, well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. But the, the second one is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. That's the great commandment. That's what he advises to. He says everything else hangs on those two things. So the, the first thing that you can do to go with Jesus is be good news to somebody this week. Be good news. What's that mean? You know somebody that's hungry? Get them some food. You know somebody that's lonely? Call them. You meet somebody that needs gas? Get them some gas. You know, you, 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 are you following me? Give them a reason call. You can't believe what happened. I got some good news to tell you. I was praying for food, and I just got some food. It's that simple, right? You became good news. So I see y'all doing it for one another in so many ways. We're getting ready to help, uh, help someone in our church in a difficult situation. We're going to help her be able to, to move in with her daughter in Moorhead. Some of you have shown up and helped in tremendous ways there. We've been able to help somebody pay their power bill this week. Um, think about uh, uh, Sean. Uh, Y'all have heard me pray. Talk about Sean that used to live under the apartment in the boxing gym uh, where, where we do our ministry over on the bypass. And uh, someone saw him this week, and my Bethany saw him, and, and he said, Listen, I really want to get baptized. I feel God dealing with my heart. He said, your church has helped me so much. And so many different times and places where he didn't know where he was going to live and what he was going to eat, there was good news in his life, and it came from the church. It came from the hands and feet of Jesus. So be the good news. But in doing that, he got the great commission that has to do with making disciples. You don't want to stop with just an act of kindness. You want to share the good news. So you're going to be the good news in very tangible and real and relevant ways, and then you're going to be ready to go and share the good news. First Peter, Peter wrote it like this, if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Well, you see people that are quick to share their faith. Maybe not always in the gentle and respectful way. Have you met those people? Y'all out there? <laughs> All right, you're here. But if anyone asks you your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. And you can do that in two ways. Um, one, we see over and over in the New Testament where people just share the story of their salvation or their testimony. Tell a story of your interaction, your experience with Jesus, where he met you, how he dug you out of the, the, the pits. And, and maybe, man, you, we got all kinds of contrasts and stories here all the way from, 
Maybe you were deep in addiction and broken families, and he's restored it. Maybe, maybe you were just deeply obsessed with wealth and money and a job, and all of a sudden he opened your eyes to the emptiness of that, and maybe, you, maybe it all evaporated, and you realized all you needed was Jesus. And let me tell you, I had peace in the middle of it all. Like Whatever your story is, be ready to explain it and share it and be, 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 be confident in what God has done for you. And if you're not ready to do that, maybe you should take a minute and think about it. Write it down. Write the story of what God has done in your life down. Be ready to share some stories. And then the second part of it is be ready to share the gospel. That, that we are all created and, 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 and because of Adam's sin and our sin, we, we've been separated from God. And, and, and because of that, he loved us so much, he sent Jesus that he would die in our place. So that if we had believed upon him, we'd have life everlasting. Be ready to just share that truth, that there is hope. It's good news. Witnessing to people, I used to think, so scared about it, worried about it, talking to somebody who wasn't believing. This is good news. It's like you, you, are, you are destined to hell, and there's good news. Jesus knew all mankind is born into this, and God is doing everything he can to save us. This is good news. All you got to do is believe. All you have to do is put your faith in him. And you are saved once and for all. So yesterday, uh, I was out for a walk, and uh, I took Harker with me. He rode his big wheel, and we went around the block. Um, and we went down to the Pikeville Pond. Many of you know where the Pikeville Pond is. And there's a little park down there, and uh, it's behind the extension office. And, and we walked down there, and... Um, and Harker played a little bit, and he was riding his big wheel around the parking lot, and this, this man came and got out of his car, and um, and he was probably in his 70s. I'm not just kind of, I don't want to make a judgment, but I was probably, I'm guessing. Probably around in his 70s. He got this old lawn chair out of the trunk and his fishing pole and his tackle box. And, uh, you know, I'm not a big fisherman. really don't know a lot about it. Fished some growing up. But I've taken Harker once and Roz a couple times down the pond. and never catch anything, like bluegills that might be minners. I don't know. I mean, they're that small. And so I was asking, I was like, you catch fish out of here? I see people going with fishing poles and stuff all the time, and so they must be catching them somewhere. And he said, yeah, but you got to go on down the, the pond, and over there is where I like to sit and do. And, and, and he started looking at Harker, and he said, you know, uh, man, I used to have a little one like that, a fishing buddy, and, uh, you know, they grow up. You know, some wisdom coming right here. Just as I could see it in his eyes, and uh, his son's grown up, and... Um, he said, enjoy it. And then, I, and, and so I talked to him just kind of in passing, and then Harker had gone over. Uh, he was wanting to go down by the water. And, uh, and, then, I, and then he said, uh, you know, the Bible says kids are a blessing from the Lord. And I thought, all right, this guy's a believer. And then I saw that look in his eye, like it's not stopping here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you, you've been there. Right? And he said, let me ask you something. I, I, think, I don't know if I've ever met you before or if I've ever asked you this before, but he said, do you know Jesus? Asked me right there in the parking lot by the, by the playground. And I said, I do. I said, I do know Jesus. And I said, I actually, uh, I'm a pastor at a church here in town. And um, he just got so excited and uh, 
he said, oh, I'm so excited. You're a brother, and he shook my hand, and, um, and, and it, he still preached for about 15 minutes. Like, I could see it coming, and he told me the whole story of Nicodemus, and I was amening, and I was just, I was with him. I was like, yes, you got to be born again. That's right, you know, and so I was, I was, I was right there with him, and he was sharing his story, and, um, and all the time, Harker is at the top of that little boat ramp on his big wheel. Like on the, the other end of the parking lot. So I'm trying to listen, and I'm saying, yeah, yeah, amen. Please don't die. And, like, and, and I, couldn't, I couldn't get over to him, but he was, and, and Harker, like the miracle of this whole situation is he sat there on his big wheel and only screamed daddy. I mean, he screamed it a lot. But he didn't like throw it and like lose it and like go on down without me. He sat there for a long time. Like, and if y'all know Harker, it, it's a miracle. <laughs> and so he's telling me all this. And he says, hey, you know the extension office over here? Uh, they got these little garden spots. Come over here and look at this. Let me show you something. And so we walked over and we looked. They got these raised beds and like uh, and, and different things. And he said, isn't, isn't that, I mean, that's really neat, isn't it? Look how neat that garden is. Look, they got onions. They got lettuce and tomatoes. Isn't that neat? And they had these little tulip like decorations stuck down. Look at them tulips. They're so neat. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's really cool. And um, we got to the end of it, and he went, that's my garden. He said, they, they let me come over here and plant stuff in here. And he said, I'd like to, to bless you. And so he went back, and he put his, his chair in his trunk and his fishing pole and his tackle box, put it all in. He got two Walmart bags out. I mean, this is the real deal right here. That is real lettuce and onions on that screen. <laughs> and he walks all the way around, and Harker is still, I finally got him like riding circles in the parking lot. And, um, and he goes all the way around. He's on the other side of the fence. He's going to reach it over to me. He's got the perfect scissors, he says, for the lettuce. He just, such a little simple task. Cutting the lettuce. Pulling that, look at that onion. Look at the head on that one. He'd say everyone he'd pull out. And I was just seeing Jesus. Just thankful in that moment. And so he gets all these things out to him. He said, now tell me again, you know, so you're a pastor. I was like, yeah, I'm a pastor. He's like, which church? And I said, uh, New Beginnings on Main Street. And he just looked at me. He's like, what? He's like, man, God brought us together right now. Uh, he said, there was a, during Hillbilly days, I was walking around. And there was two young boys, two young boys that I, I just bumped into and started talking to, and they started talking to me about Jesus. And he said, and like, I was so impressed by him. He's like, it changed my whole hope for the next generation. He said, they were sharing Jesus with me, and I asked them where, where they go, where they attend, and they said, new beginnings. I'm going to get this in here because he said one was taller and one was sh shorter. And just so Bethany can hear it, he referred to me as about the height of the taller one. Because <laughs> I always try to convince her I'm tall. But he said, those two boys blessed my heart. I could tell they were born again. It was the real deal. And he gave me such encouragement. 
for what you all are doing here, for what we are doing at New Beginnings. People are being the good news. He, is, he was sharing the good news. We are sharing the good news. I couldn't wait to text picture to Bethany of the lettuce and onions. I got some good news. <laughs> All right? I could smell the bacon grease. <laughs> Waiting to kill it. Y'all like killed lettuce and onions? His name was Philip. I don't know who the two boys were. He said, tell the t just tell your church, find those two boys, tell them Philip was encouraged by their faithfulness. I want to wrap up just by saying this. The beautiful thing about this is um, as, as we go, we're following, and we're not following. Uh, we're, we're following a leader who leads by example. It hit me this morning before the first service. I titled this, Be Ready to Go. But it changed my heart, and I want to tell you why. So we follow a leader that leads by example, and that leader is not Jared. <laughs> that leader is Jesus himself. Thought about him when John said he was, in the beginning, was, was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, been, been in eternity as king on a throne. And there, be, there came a time that the state of mankind and humanity got in such a place, the Father said, it's time to go. Paul said it like this in Philippians 2, 6 through 7. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. He led by example. He laid the throne down and picked up the towel to wash the king himself he went he stepped into humanity then Paul says when he appeared in human form he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross in the garden of Gethsemane when all the weight of the world was upon him when he was, when he was feeling the stress and the anxiety and he was troubled to the point that he was sweating blood, he said, not my will, but yours, Father. He was willing to go. I, as I was thinking about him bearing his cross and the ask for us to bear ours and the spiritual warfare that we're in, and in order to stand firm, we have to be ready to move forward, to go forward, to not be stuck in fear and doubt, to be ready to go into to, to slimy, muddy, difficult, hard situations, to follow Jesus into the outside where it's messy. That we have to be ready to go, to, go in, to be persecuted, to suffer, to be wrongly accused, to, 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 to exist and get treated unfairly. All these things happen to him, and if it happened to him, it's going to happen to his followers. And in those, here's where I wanna, what I want to end with. Oh, man. He reminded me this morning, you don't have to be ready to go. Some of you are saying, I'm not ready for what's in front of me, this trial, this test, this difficult season, the health, 
this broken relationship, this, this difficulty of raising kids, I lost my job, all these things these, that, are, that are coming, you're saying, I'm not ready. And, and, and the reality is you can't get yourself ready. You can't be ready. This is the reminder, the promise, the gift card is in your wallet. You have on the belt of truth. You have taken on the righteousness of Jesus. You are ready. <laughs> you are ready to go. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to doubt. You don't have to worry. You put your life in Jesus. You are ready. So, let's go. God, thank you. for giving your armor to us. Thank you that while I was the, the worst of sinners, Christ died for me. Thank you for your grace by faith that is a gift of God. Thank you for being a good God, a giving God, a loving God, a saving God. Because we stand here before you this morning, every one of us at some point, and maybe in this very season, have said, I'm not ready, I can't handle it, I can't do it. Remind us of this truth, that in our weakness, in our humility, is when we find the greatest strength because we put all our dependence upon you. God, we lay ourselves down. We lay our lives down. We're willing to pick up the cross and walk with you. If there's anybody here that's never given their life to you, we learned last week that the, the, the only sin that keeps us from eternity with you is not putting our faith in you and accepting God, we pray that anybody that's not made that decision would make that decision this morning. We pray for all these Christians here that are, that are walking in the spiritual warfare and with their families and just like we can't even get to all the mess that's really behind all the scenes. God, that in that place we stand firm against the strategies of the enemy in your mighty power. In the power of the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.